0: Welcome to the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast, where we explore what it means to grow daily and find our best in every aspect of life.
1: Welcome back to another episode of the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast. I'm John Shirky here with my friend and my co-host, Jamie Wagner. Jamie, good to see you.
0: You as well. Um, exciting stuff today. We're, I mean, dive right in because it's so good. Um, you know, and it's a young guy, right?
1: well i mean old old you man on him the football an football team man, but old uh, man on the football team today we but, have we have sixth year quarterback at bethel university Jaron rosty started his journey at the university of minnesota transfers to bethel so we we talk a, a lot about kind of that transition and what that decision is like but also you know in life we're faced with decisions as far as hey when we found our dream or what we think is our dream and it's not quite what we want it to be. What do we do next? What's our next step?
0: And what a cool perspective that he brings because he's connected, has a lot of friends dealing with the same thing. And I think, like I said, young guy, 23, probably right. Um, Maybe 24. I don't know. Jaron. I'm sorry that I don't know how old you are, but like he talks about connecting to young guys on the team and learning from them. Let's not be so proud. So arrogant to say that, that a young guy going through a a difficult stage in life potentially has a a tremendous amount to give us. And I would say that absolutely he did today,
1: man. We cover a lot today from football to transfers, to mental health, to student life, to all sorts of things. And I, I couldn't be more excited about sharing this episode with you. You will get better today. Here we go. We now, welcome on a very special guest, Jaron Rosty. Jaron, welcome to the Eyes Up Mindset podcast.
2: Appreciate you guys having me, Jamie and John.
1: It's cool it's because
0: you, oh, yeah, go kinda, it's good to have you back, kind of. Yeah. We, we've done this before in a little bit different context. I'm sure that's where John was going. It is also we, with this.
1: Yeah, we had you. Uh, we We did a few episodes for Bethel University where you currently play and we'll get into that but and where we are alums and we, d- we had a great conversation we're like dude we got to have you on our other podcast as well because we have some overlap for sure uh, as far as listeners but um, a lot of new people hearing you today so we'll try to keep the inside jokes and stories out in the open but Jaron tell us a little bit about you where you're at these days what you're up to.
2: Yeah so I, I graduated from Bell University in 2021. I was five through twelve social studies education and business and political science. Uh, played football for for the last four years since I transferred to Bethel from the U of M. Uh, now I'm working in the Bethel Build Program, which is a two year uh, residential integrated program at Bethel for students with intellectual disabilities. So I work as the second year internship supervisor. So that basically entails finding internships for the second year students, teaching to build specific classes for those students uh, and then also hiring job mentors and traditional students that can help support uh, students and build within their internship so that's where I'm at now and like I mentioned earlier we're on spring break right now so we're trying to enjoy that a little bit and uh, get it. once this second semester once once we get on the other side of spring break it's kind of a sprint to a uh, sprint to May and finals week so I'm looking forward to that but yeah it's kind of the gist of, of who
0: I am. So you said graduated in 2021. Now you're talking about finals week and a sprint. And, a, and you didn't say spring ball in there, but but we know that, that spring ball is a part of it. Kind of a wild deal. You just said you tra- you played at the U- University of Minnesota for a year. You play, now played at Bethel for four years. Because of the COVID year, you have additional year eligibility and you're coming back. Yeah. Graduated.
1: I got hold on before you continue, Jamie. I gotta ask Jaron because when we talked to you the last time, it was kind of right after the season. We wanted to break the news if you were coming back or not, and you were like, No, nah, no, nah, I'm gonna take some time, I'll do my thing. Did you know at that point or no?
2: I, I did not know. Okay, no, right. I uh I um was truly at postseason. Obviously, we had a good year, uh made a made a run in, into the, the postseason obviously lost to a, a very difficult and very strong opponent in central. Um, and then the whole Mayak Championship game um was a was a great experience for us. And so it was a great year. I was I was kind of thinking about you know taking the next month or two to figure out what what I wanted and what was best for me uh and, and the people around me. And I, I think throughout that month or or two and, and overall my main point that I told the coaches was I want to be all in or all out starting in January. So when we start lifts in January, like I want to be all in or all out. And and I think it's based on experience of like seeing, seeing guys that maybe tried to toe the line a little bit and didn't, didn't quite know what they wanted and then worked into the spring and the summer. Um, I told them, you're going to know uh, that, that first week of January, whether I'm in or out. So within those month and a half, like, it was more of a, a process of thinking, all right. What, what's what's best for me and and the football the football aspect's always been fun uh but for me it's always been about the guys and the relationships and so that was that was the main thing that i the reason that i did come back was one of the questions i asked myself if, if i get injured the first week of of fall camp will i enjoy continuing out that season with the guys around me and overall the answer was yes it, like if if i was just a part of this team next fall Right. That's something that I would be completely fine doing, and would love the guys around me and support them and everything that they do. So when that when that answer was when I could answer that question confidently, right? Then the football piece has always been there, and I absolutely love it. I love competing. Uh, I love to win. I love the guys around me. So when when I had that piece answered, the football piece was always, you know, why why would you not want to play another year, right? Because it's it's football. It's one of those few sports, and you guys know you can't just pick up on a friday afternoon and then go play with some buddies right i mean you can throw it around a little bit but i i I haven't played basketball in in four years since high school five years i picked up the basketball and played pickup thousands like hundreds of times since that it's not something you can do with football so the football piece was always there it's you know is this something that i can commit to another nine months of of my life and it's a busy nine months to to do football and commit to it fully and so the answer is yes
0: I think that's so interesting. So I actually, I kind of has in the same spot. I came back for my fifth year and I hurt my knee in the first game of the year. Right. I, you know, and we ended up going real deep in the playoffs and I had to kind of make a choice. Do I want to get surgery? Am I going to put it off like, and and play, you know, and I decided to play, but I think the same thing was true. Right. I just wanted to be around the guys. I wanted to be around the staff. I wanted to be around my teammates and really that, you know, no offense to John and, and his class Um, because that was my senior year, right? I I came back for another one. I ended up getting really, really close with the grade the year below me because of that kind of shared struggle. And honestly, I was all in, right? That was was it because I was like, I'm around the program all the time. I'm with these guys all the time in a way that maybe I wasn't, you know, prior to that. I also transferred. I'm very curious about your transfer experience because you, you know, out of high school, kind of a big deal, go to the, go to the division one school, go to the hometown Gophers. And it doesn't kind of become the thing you were looking for. Talk us through what it was like as an 18 year old realizing a dream and then realizing it wasn't what it, what you wanted it to be. And then what kind of made your decision to transfer, you know, kind of that whole process is just fascinating because I think a lot of us even later in life have to be faced with, this is what I wanted and it's not now what I want. How do I make that change? Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. So uh, the U of M it was for me, it was always the U of M right. When you're yeah. coming out of school, you know, it's a state school, the only division one program at, at the time in the state of Minnesota. Uh, and I would say like my top, my top three honestly was, was the U of M NDSU and Bethel. Like that's what it was. I've had, I've known coach Jay, Forever, I have know Coach since eighth grade. Um, both of my older sisters went there. I was around the community. I knew exactly what I was going to get in that experience. Um, and so when the when the U of M finally came around and and gave me the the walk on spot, there was one of those things I just couldn't pass up. And I, I looking back, it wasn't I I wasn't as much of getting getting too caught up in in the. Oh, you get to play in, in the big 10 or you get to the uh, huge stadiums, big crowds, all the, all the gear, all the stuff that comes with it. There was definitely a part of it for for me. It was, you, you can't pass up this opportunity to, to play for a school that you've been watching since I was a kid, since I remember, right. I'm decked out in gophers gear and stuff when I'm five years old on Halloween. So, so it's something that, that I couldn't pass up in terms of, in terms of the transfer thing and and what I realized, and I committed under, under clays. So I committed under clays in December. I think it was like seven or eight days later. uh, They, they fired clays and then hired fleck shortly thereafter. So I was one of clays guys. And so when fleck came in, obviously he he had, he had his guys, right. Tanner was Morgan was committed to Western Michigan and, and he flipped and came to Minnesota. Um, And that's a guy that, that, Fleck has had, I had a relationship with, and he, he wanted a Western and he wanted the U. So I, I totally understand that. And there's, there's something to be said about a coach coming into a new program and you look around and you're like, none of these guys are my guys, right? Yeah. There, there's something to be said about that. And, and the process of the guys that, that stay, they, they stay. And a lot of guys ended up doing really well. Other guys. Uh, and I was one of them ended up leaving and pursuing another opportunity. It, it wasn't a, a difficult choice for me I think once I had spent nine months there I kind of saw okay this is how it's going to be for the next four years if I stay right and is it something that I want to continue doing or do I want to find some place else I chose to find someplace else and and that was without a doubt there's Bethel that's the that was my only my only choice right and I had, I had a bunch of different offers that once I entered the portal and everyone was just saying, like, there wasn't even a conversation that was started. It was just like, hey, I'm already going to Bethel. I'm sorry. Uh, just because, like I said, I, I knew Coach Jan and the community. I knew exactly what I was going to get, and that's what I needed to sign up for at the time. And I think it's one of those things, looking at all of these, looking at just the landscape of NCAA athletics today now with, with the transfers, right? It was interesting. I was watching uh, the Indiana basketball game last night. And one of their guys, Ron Harper Jr., he went to, they were making a point. He went, he played for one AAU team. He played for one high school. He played for one college, all four years. And those now, now that you look at that so like what, it, how rare is that? Right. And so guys bounce around in the portal, like they're every year, they'll, they'll bounce around. And that was, that was something when I, when I would left you, I wanted to find a school. I was like, this this needs a stick. This is, this is what I want. And I knew, like I said, I knew what I was getting when I went to Bethel. So it's a it's a really weird landscape, just NCAA athletics now, and and so I was I was really fortunate that you know I knew a school that I was already comfortable with, and that I that I knew I was going to be able to succeed not only on the field but off of it, and in the academic piece and in the faith piece, socially, right? all of that. I knew, I knew that I would succeed
1: there. So have you? And obviously, you said the landscape has changed in the last year or two with the transfer portal, and that was obviously after you had transferred to Bethel, but have you either gotten any feedback or had people, because one of the things that I have with the transfer portal, right. Is, and I, I honestly wrestle with this and we've talked to coaches about this, where it's like, where is the line between committing and, and following through on that commitment or whatever that is and the freedom and then, because it seems like maybe the the new with the new portal, because you can transfer without any sort of you know across the across the board, no penalty, no sitting out. Obviously, you came from a Division One to a Division Three, so that didn't impact your move. But but now everybody can just—it's kind of the Wild West, right? And I think it's there's a ton of unintended consequences, not, not only with that, but also with the extra COVID year and you know a ton of guys saying, "Hey, I want to play college football," but there's no spots. But anyway, uh, where do you kind of, how have you worked through that in your brain in terms of, okay, I made a commitment and now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose something else? Right,
2: yeah, I, I think COVID obviously threw a wrench in, in a lot of just plans yeah. for everyone, right? And so what I think the, the transfer portal is now, you, you're 100% correct, it is the wild, wild west. But I think that at, at this point, it, it's finally become fair. And and here's here's why I would say that is because with, you hear coaches complain about all these kids leaving, right? Like, uh, like uh, you're losing twenty kids a year to the transfer portal, and now because there's no penalty, you can, like you said, you can transfer within, you know, the same Division One, whatever, whatever right. it may be. But there was never a penalty for a coach leaving right. and signing at a bigger school. And leaving a hundred some guys on their on their roster with a new coach that's coming in and they don't know anything of them, like I said earlier, those are not his guys, right? Yeah. You should, like sense you should be able to leave, right? You should be able to go find a new school that that you're comfortable with. Um, obviously, there's 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 a lot of gray area within that because now coaches are leaving more consistently for for bigger and higher jobs. It always seems like there's these, you know, schools like Minnesota, schools like. The Texas Tech Chris, Chris Beard is a great example yeah Chris Beard is the basketball coach at Texas Tech takes them to a, a final four two years ago he leaves because Texas is a quote unquote bigger job right mm-hmm. he doesn't do well in Texas in a couple of years he'll bounce right back down to those that that tier and it's just a constant you're just moving up and down that ladder and so now you're starting to see players that are doing the same thing for me right. It's it's interesting because there is a there is a balance between that of like I want to commit to this school and this program and the guys that are around me. Um, so I, I have no issues with with transferring or with with you know guys pursuing other options. I just think there, there does need to be a little more transparency and and more just guidelines of how those transfers are are played out. I mean, you could transfer you could play at a different school every year. Right. If, if you wanted to, you could just bounce around. Right. And in those situations, like, I don't, I don't love that aspect. Right. But you see a guy like, I even think about Robbie Olson from, from St. John's, right. He it's
1: coming he, to my, coming to my neighborhood.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Montana state. That's right. So like that, that's something that's super cool. And that's, that's different with grad transfers and stuff like that. But, but that's something that, you know, he's a dream of playing at the next level and it, no offense to St. John's it's really hard to do as a specifically as a wide receiver, right? To to make it to that next level, you know, from a division three school. And so like that's an option where he gets to pursue his dream and play at a, a higher level of football. And so I love that for him. I love that for guys that that have that opportunity. I think there just needs to be some more transparency and consistency within, you know, how how like is there a limit on how many times you can transfer and and or whether it's more whether you're you're locking in coaches for uh under their contracts right with with their school and then you tighten up the transfer rules and so you know you're there's no risk of a coach leading towards a better opportunity and and they don't want to bring you and you're stuck with whatever's left and so it's like you said it's the wild wild west it's a mess right and and i think we're just starting to see the effects of that and and i think nil throws a entirely another like different wrench into that you take the, the number one prospect um, I forget what his name is, Quinn something. He played for Ohio state for a year, right? Lap high school early played for Ohio state. He made hundreds of thousands in NIL deals and done with Ohio state. Now he goes down to Texas. Well, now Texas, he's going to make hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars down there. So what's stopping us uh, once you the market kind of dries up in that local area that, that you're getting NIL deals in what's stopping you from transferring just, just to make the money piece. I think that'll be really interesting to see how that plays out over the next
1: couple of years. How, how, I mean, obviously we see that and we see it on sports center and we, all the guys that are transferring from Ohio state to Alabama to wherever, right? How have you seen or heard or interacted maybe either yourself or people kind of at the division two II or three level Because again, it's glorified. I mean, it's, it's out there. Oh, the NIL for division one guys, how, how, if at all, has it impacted kind of the the level you're at right now? No, there's, there's definitely opportunities specifically
2: just within your own personal brand, right. Of, of opportunities that you can, you can take advantage of. Like I know there's, there's guys at the U who have different shirt deals or they have different you know promo codes that you can use and take advantage of, where they can get some of that money. Obviously, but it's different for the top top guys, the the Bryce Youngs, the right. all these guys at the top of the game. They're bringing in something different. But for me, it's more the fact of of I'm not restricted, or I I I can actually take advantage of that if those opportunities come up. I remember there's there was once in high school, there was like a an I um clinic stuff, they glasses, sunglasses, all that stuff. And they're like, if they just opened up and they're like, can you, we'll give you a free pair of any sunglasses in the store. If you want to, you know, twice just post on your story, like about this place. I was like, I can't. Right. Because at the time you couldn't do that. Opportunities like that. If it comes up now, you can jump on it and there's, there's no issues with it. So I I don't necessarily know how many guys are, are bringing in loads of money at the division two and three level, but the biggest, the bigger thing for me is like, that doesn't restrict you, right? If you have your local diner that you go to all the time and he's like, post something on your story and you'll get this meal free. Like that's something that now is not made illegal, right? I'm sure people were doing it before, right? Obviously there's, there, I don't know how much oversight there is at the division two II and three level, but that, that's something that was probably happening before, but now it's not made illegal, right? And there's just much more wiggle room for guys to. To take advantage of of their personal brand and different partnerships and stuff like that, which is which is cool that it's for for everyone, not just at the at the top level.
0: So, I'm curious because like we have talked to plenty of coaches that that speak to the continuity piece between their staff, right? That, that we've had a staff that's been here and together in a long time. The language is familiar, the language is consistent. You talk about the 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 fluidity of transfers, right? The fluidity of the next big thing potentially being available, like, you know, for the St. John's kid, like what a great opportunity to go and do this thing. But for, from your personal perspective, being now in year five competing at the same program that, you know, and have familiarity with and consistency with, do you think that allows you to raise your level where, you know, his learning curve transformed from D three level to D one level, new scheme new system new program like there's a potential that that doesn't like free him to play in the way that we think he's capable of you know speak to that for you personally what being in a program for a long period has allowed you to become and be and do as an athlete
2: yeah absolutely i think it's one of the the more underrated and underappreciated things is is being in a program right and and Specifically with me, like our offensive coordinator, the last year was his first year. Um, we ran a lot of the same stuff. It's it's Bethel. We, we're going to continue to run a lot of the same stuff, right? But being able to do that and build every year, right, is vital. I, I, there's no doubt in my mind that I can say, and this goes throughout the high school level too, is like every year I've played football, I've gotten better. I have I can look and say I was a better football player this year, right? Uh, which is huge. The only years that's like 2018 to 2019, obviously we had a huge run in 2018 to the the quarterfinals and stuff. That was the only year I was like felt where it's like, Oh, I don't know. But then you look on paper, you look at the stats, you look at the completion percentage and and just accuracy on throws. It was like, okay, I was much better because you're just more confident in the system. You're more confident in the people around you. And now I think, you know, last year and then including into this year, like just more freedom and flexibility and, and confidence to make changes at the line, to, right. To, to make changes when we're on the sideline, where I'm talking to a receiver, like, Hey, I want this. Right. And and there's just the freedom to do that. And there's also the confidence to do that because it's a system that I've played in for so long. And it's, it's something that I'm completely comfortable in. And I think that that's something that is, and if you look at just the mindset and, and just the, looking into the head of a, 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 just an athlete in general, right. New settings, new surroundings, right. Those things are difficult to deal with. And some people deal with them better than others, or they not necessarily better, but they, it's a quicker transition. Right. And, and that's something that people don't necessarily understand, or they, they don't, they don't comprehend that. They don't think about it. Right. I, I it's fine. I'm a big soccer guy, and soccer transfers happen all the time. I'm like, okay, we're going to bring this guy over from 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 Italy to England, right? Well, the style of the play in England is completely different than it is in England. England's more physical league. There's there's much more running involved. It's there's much more physicality. Like I said, so you got you bring a guy in for a hundred million dollars. It's like, well, why isn't he performing? Well, you picked him up from the middle of Italy and brought him to. Rainy Manchester, right? <laughs> it's like it's, he's he's in a new surrounding, new coach, new system, new style of play. There's gonna be an acclimation period, right? It's the same in the U.S. with with all sports, football included. And that's where you look at the portal too. And that's another thing that that we mentioned when we come back to that is is you bring in these guys of like this this guy is supposed to be top tier, and a lot of portal transfers, right, are guys that it's not only guys that just didn't play and they're looking for a new opportunity. It's guys that played, it's guys that started, right? Played at a super high level on their team. They're just like looking for a change, right? And you see those guys move to a different system, new scheme, new coaches, and they're not as successful. And people online are like, well, what's going on? He he performed at Clemson. Why isn't he performing at Ohio State? Like, well, it's just completely different, right? New teammates, new setting, new surrounding, new culture, new coaches. And that stuff changes. And specifically, I want to bring that back with when you mentioned the coaches, like it's at Bethel, it's, for the most part, the same staff that I've had all, all the years. I think that's the big thing Division One wise is it's not necessarily the head coach leading, right? It's the, it's the running back coach who gets a higher opportunity. right? I, I know at the U, the, the year after I left, you had five new coaches on the staff of, the, of like the twelve. Yeah. Five new coaches is a lot, right? Because they get a higher opportunity. They get, a, they get more money. They get a, they get a go in a sunny state, right? And they leave. Well, the people who are doing the recruiting more often than not are those position coaches, right? You're like, you're going to have contact with Fleck, but you're probably going to have more contact. My, my specific contact with you use Matt Simon, the wide receivers coach, right? So I build this big relationship with him, particularly if I'm a wide receiver right it's like i almost come to the school because of him one of the main reasons and then he leaves right so that, that's another thing it's like when you're working through it and then you see guys like he had a great year last year but then this year same program right he's not doing as much he's struggling it might be because of the code like kirk Shiraka, of the qb coach offensive coordinator tanner had a great year 2019 he leaves right and, and 2020 was a little bit of more of a struggle. And so how much of that is attributed to, to the coaching? It's hard to say. You never really know, but I, it, it, it has to play a role in, in, in just like a change of situation, coaching, culture, location, all of that stuff plays a role. It's just how athletes deal with it and they deal with it differently. And it's different.
1: Well, and, and, and you talked about it in terms of, you can't necessarily blame the coaches either. I mean, it happened at, I, I mean, I talked about being, I live, three quarters of a mile from Montana state. I see the stadium out my window here and, you know, they go to the national championship game this year and that what happens when you're successful, people steal people. Right. So I think there's at least four or five coaches that the defensive coordinator went from here to Colorado state, same job, much bigger, probably tripled his pay, you know, and so, or more. And, and so you can't blame them either. I think there's, but there is the underlying or over, arching thing that I keep thinking about in this part of our conversation is sometimes the grass is greener and you're going to have opportunities that do make sense. And I think in your case, going from the U to coming to Bethel sounds like by all accounts, it was a good move for you, you know, uh, not only football wise, but potentially socially and spiritually and all of those things. And, and then there's other times where it's like, no, Hey, I want to go, I, I need a change and it doesn't work out. And you got to be prepared for, for both of those sides. Cause I think when we're talking about the, all the transfers and Hey, I'm not playing or I want to change it. I don't think we're always thinking about, you know what, this might not be a great fit. There might be some difficulty moving into this thing and, and, and prepare ourselves for that because then what are you left with right now? You you're spiraling down potentially. And now you're in a situation where you, you still don't like it. And yeah. you're not one of the coaches guys and you're, you have new teammates that aren't necessarily your guys. Right. And so it, it can be really tough too. So, well, and that's true gonna in jump, life.
0: I'm going to jump in here. Just like my first semester at Bethel and like anybody that knows me now is like, Oh, you know, like the joke in my extended families, you went to Bethel because about every three seconds, I'm saying something about how Bethel impacted my life. Right. But then there's this, this reality that my first semester at Bethel was really challenging, right? I had, I had wrestled the the previous year. I hadn't played football. I, like I come from a situation that's not Bethel. I'm not super familiar with it. I didn't have the experience that you had where I knew what was going on. And like, I didn't live with my teammates. I didn't like the, just a bunch of it was hard. Mm -hmm. And January I move in with John and those guys and like life just became I had a group of people. I had culture. I just think that so much of you know, and let's zoom out from sport for just a second, right? When we when we change, you know, we get a new opportunity in a job and we have to move. We get, you know, like we uproot our families. We, you know, somebody's coming in that's supposed to be a high performer stress is stress. We said this a couple episodes ago, right? Stress is stress. It doesn't matter if it's physical stress, emotional stress, mental stress, it gonna, it's going to impact your performance in some way, right? Performance being whatever it is you're expected to be able to do. So let's have some grace with ourselves if our performance struggles, but like, let's also as leaders and, and you're, let's face it, you're a leader in the program, you know, you're, you're an old man for college football. Let's be real here. Like that leadership role also is going to be, Hey, what's going on in your life. That's causing you stress, you know, for those younger guys, talk to us about that, that role that you now kind of are in for, you know, and as a quarterback, you're always the guy, the guy that people look to, how has that changed and molded and modified as you've done this a little bit here? Yeah.
2: Well, I think specifically just talking about that point, like, change is hard, right? It's yeah. not, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who you are. The change is going to be hard. Right. And specifically at Bethel, right? This is what I like communicate to the young guys, especially it's like, it's not all going to be daisies and roses, right? Particularly when you come into Bethel and you, you have this just sense that everyone has everything figured out.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> everyone is living the life of a perfect Christian and everything is just all fine and damp. That's not the reality. Right. And it
0: looks like youth group, right? You're like, you're supposed yeah. to come and be on the top of the mountain and yeah. raise your hands and sing. And like, everything's great. And that's 100%. what you think everybody else has. Right. Right.
2: Right. And that's, that's, that's my biggest point is like, don't fall into that trap. Right. Cause I, I say it to, to freshmen all the time and just young guys, in general. I'm going to meet you where you're at. Right. doesn't matter where you are. You don't have to lie and pretend you're here when you're here. Like I'm going to come and meet you where you're at and we're going to have a conversation and we can grow from there. And I think specifically with me and the leadership thing, I when I came in in 2018, right, it was a really weird dynamic because you know started to became a starter, right, and and like you said, when you're the quarterback, doesn't matter if you're a freshman or if you're a fifth year senior, sixth year senior, I guess, like you you're you're gonna be the, you're gonna be one of the guys that people look to, right. And and so that was something that I felt my first year at Bethel. But I, at the same time, I had we had so many great seniors, right? That that it it wasn't really oh everyone looked to Jaron, right? We had so many great guys that that made such a difference and, and led and helped. If anything, impacted the way that I lead now because I learned a lot from those guys. But I still think like throughout my throughout the first two to three years at, at Bethel, two years for sure, right? Just the my leadership style, is, I was fairly closed off, right? I had kind of my group of guys on the team, and right? I didn't, I didn't communicate or, or or talk to as much with with younger guys when I had first gotten there, and even two years in, right? And and I just kind of got challenged. Um, I'd say last probably like last spring, last last fall, where Parnell came up and said, like, you're you got to be the guy, and, and you also have to be able to communicate connect with and affect freshmen sophomores juniors seniors not just your guys right and it's it's crazy because when i walk when i walk in to a locker room now like i'm saying hi to guys or and just saying what's up asking them how their day is how's how school's going what classes and guys that two years ago i would i would have never said anything to right and so it's just like how i'm just branching out and trying to connect with guys and, and meet them where they're at and and just have those conversations and build those bonds and friendships. It's something that I have gotten a lot better at. And I think it's just been more intentional about connecting with guys in, in younger classes and, and just guys that I would not typically connect with. And, and some of my, that's, that's one of those things where when you look at the guys that are going to be on this team next year. And I said at the beginning, I'm like, I came back once I answered the question, like, Would I be cool if I didn't play a single snap next year? Would I be cool showing up to practice every day, hanging out with dudes, pushing them, making them better, etc.? And so much of that is because of the relationships and, and you know, who I surround myself with and, and me just feeling comfortable with the full team, right? Like I said, the answer is yes, right? That, that didn't necessarily happen by accident, right? I, it it was, it was through the intentionality. And you look, there's not a single guy that's going to play football next year that I played with in my first year at Bethel, right? There's a couple, I think there's like maybe one or two that played. I played with my second year at Bethel, right? So it's just like, there's, there's, there's no one. And if you would have asked me two, three years ago, right? If you don't have Sam Gibbs, if you don't have Jack Fiddler, if you don't have all these guys that I was with, my core group, and it was a core small group, right? I would have said no. And anyone on the team would have said no, he wouldn't come back, right? But like now, I have these guys. I, there's too many. Like Joey Kitter, Aaron Ellingson, Mike and uh Colin Byer, Aaron. L- like there's so many guys. Like I can't even. It's it'd essentially be like naming the whole team. Where it's like I came back because I'm connected with and have a relationship with this guy. And that that wasn't always the case. And so like I said, Parnell, he challenged me. And it's one of the things I think I, I if I'm I'm the most proud of is the fact that. I have all of these relationships on the team, right? And I can walk into the locker room and it can just be five, five random guys and I can sit down on the couch and kick it with them. Like that's that's something that hasn't always been the case. So I think that that probably is like my what I'm most looking forward to this next season is like I have all these guys that I can – I mean, I'm ready to go to war with on Saturdays, but I'm also like we can hang out anytime and I have relationships with them.
1: I think that's a good example for – coaches at any level too. Right. And not that you have to go challenge all of your players to hang out with everybody and do that thing, but getting them to, we we talk about football, creating family all the time. Almost every program everywhere in America is talking about family or connection or relationship or something. And yet we aren't always that intentional about it. You talked about like, Hey, yeah, I, I had that connection but it was with a small group and it wasn't until I was intentional about saying, Hey, I'm going to connect with people. I'm going to take action to make this different. And until we do that, right? Yes. We might have some connection and and it could be even deeper than surface level. But when you now start to get intentional about it and checking in with guys that you maybe don't know, or you haven't connected with just a, Hey, how's it going? What's going on? Jamie talks about it all the time. Loose connections create strong bonds, right? Like those aren't necessarily your best friends that are going to be in your wedding someday, but they're dudes that they know when they see you, that like you're going to say hi and you're going to give them a smile and you're going to give them a hug or whatever it is. And sometimes you're going to be in their
0: corner, right? I mean, you're going to be there for them when they need you. Cause Hey, you're there and, today.
1: And I, and I didn't even intend when I started this whole monologue to, to take it this route, but as we continue to see more and more mental health issues within athletes and sports, man, how big is that? Sometimes what it takes is having one person that is investing in you in, and there might be somebody on your team. And I'm going to start crying because I know what that place does and what it is. And now you're talking about taking it to another level, but like there might be somebody on your team right now that it's like, Oh, I know that Jaron's going to connect with me. And that's enough. That makes, that's, I am enough, even, even though I may not be a starter or a contributor or whatever on the field and that prevents them from spiraling down and making bad choices or harming themselves in some other way. And I just, man, I don't think it's any time in history that athletics and mental health have been more important and and connected and we have to pay attention to it. And again, unintentionally we, we got there, but I, man, that's, that's incredible stuff that you were able to remind yourself and take yourself to that point where you're like, I'm going to make a change. I think that's a big deal.
2: Uh, it's like, I mean, thanks for touching on it because that's obviously hugely important, right? In today's just landscape, right? It's becoming more and more of a prevalent issue. And I think it goes back to like you talked about at the beginning how many teams are across the country in all sports? Like, we're family, right? Brotherhood, et cetera. Right. It's, like, well, it's cool to say, but like, how are you living it out, right? And it's I, I, I always tell recruits and people when they come in, it's like, and I say that, it's like, it truly is this, right? And, it's, uh, and I always say, don't, don't ask me to explain it. Come see it. <laughs> it like, come and walk into our locker room on a random Tuesday afternoon. Yep. You'll, you'll see it, right? You sit in the corner for an hour. You'll see it. Yep. You come to, to workouts. You'll see it. You go hang out in the dorms and, and walk into some football guy's room. You'll see it, right? That's what, that's what I would say separates what we do at Bethel from anyone else because, it, it, like, you, we live it out, and it's not – like you said, you can't make it tangible. You can't, I, I have a terrible job of explaining it, but when I tell people, it's like, come to campus and see it, right? And it's just campus feel in general, right? All around, you'll see it. Look for the evidence. Right. And if you don't find the evidence, then, that, then then that's not the place for you. And that's OK. But specifically, when I bring it back to that, that mental health thing is is we, we truly have that family. We truly have that brotherhood. And I think it it always starts with with guys at the top. Right. It starts with with your seniors, the, the, the guys in the, in the locker room that, you know, when when they talk, people listen. Right. And the way that I like to the way that I thought about it. Right. I mean, I look you've got a hundred guys on the team, right? You're not going to be able to have intimate close personal relationships with all hundred. So when I started like, and I was like, I'm going to be intentional about, you know, meeting up, talking to building a relationship with younger guys. I was like, okay, well I'm going to start with five, right? I'm going to start with five guys that I can build a relationship, like a close personal meeting weekly type relationship. Right. But what that does is like, I have those five guys. That's great. But the stuff that I'm giving them the stuff that I'm learning from them too. Right. My challenge to them is, okay, go find three guys, right. Go find three guys and have this exact same relationship with. Right. And if you work that out through the whole web, right, you're going to have all hundred guys connected and affected by each and every single guy on the team. And and that's something that I'm slowly starting to see on this team is, like, we are all connected. And it's, like, I'll, I'll be talking to, like, a freshman. Oh, I met with – I was talking with Aaron Ellington the other day. We were, we were meeting up. And it's, like, well, I I talked to Aaron. I meet up with Aaron Ellington, right? And, like, he is, therefore, like, going through and affecting building relationships with another freshman. Right? And so that's, this whole web is just connected. And so when, when guys – when you are in that spot, right, and I think – you know, I've had conversations with a lot of, a lot of guys that, that do reach points where it's like, hey, I, I just need someone to talk to someone, to, someone to just vent to, someone to run all this by, right? Like I've had those conversations, and there's not a guy on the team that, that can't have uh, that same conversation with at least one other guy on the team.
0: Well, right? there it is, right? Core of three strands is not easily broken, right? I mean, that's, that's it. It's like, can you, can you layer those relationships in such a way where it's not just me and you? Right now we have one other that's kind of, that's the triangle here. That's the connection point. We braid together. We're, we're tethered, right? That's Bethel where we're tethered together in -hmm. that thing. I think that's incredible. I'm curious about how build has shaped some of that thinking for you. Cause I think you said, you know, like even last year was maybe that opportunity when you started to reach down, how has serving in the position that you're in, where you're serving, Um, you know, students that are non-traditional students because they have a mental, emotional disability of some sort or whatever it might be. How has being in that position as a leader in that position changed and shaped you as a football player?
2: I, I, exactly what it is, is, is I'm not serving them. They're serving me, right? That's genuinely the way that I look at this because and you talk about how it spills onto the, the football field and stuff is, and I mentioned it before, like I'm, I'm, I'm speaking truth. I'm, I'm pouring into Aaron Ellingson, right. He's, he's giving it directly back to me, right. In his own way. And I can recognize and learn from him through that. So all of a sudden that relationship doesn't become, oh, I'm giving all, I'm giving him all of this. And, and if, if you're not intentional about picking up things and learning from someone else, like you're going to get drained, right. And it's going to get tiring and it's going to get old. Right. And so I think working with Bill, I, the one thing that I found that like I say it like there's so much joy in those students' hearts, right? A, a, an unmatched amount of joy that I've never seen before in my life. And so working with these students, right, and, and just seeing their outlook on life and their, their ability and their, their willingness to work hard, right, and to truly enjoy everything that they do. Like there's some things that, that, that the students will be working on or doing passing time, free time. I'm like, what? Like this how are you enjoying this? Right. Like, how is this fun? But it truly is because it's just their outlook on life and it's their outlook on, right. They're, they're just blessed to go to a program that's, that's integrated and, and residential that they can take classes with traditional students, that they get to live in the dorms with traditional students and, and work and build these independent living skills. Right. They're, that's something that they, they do not take for granted. They do not take lightly. Right. And so like seeing that and, and recognizing the amount of joy and the amount of things that God has given me in my life that I, that I take for granted, right. Whether it's being able to go to college or working a full-time job or having these relationships and guys that God has surrounded me with, right. Those are things that like, I used to take for granted and, and I don't now. Right. And so the, the aspect of me learning just as much and, and getting just as much from students and build as much as I would, would work with them and, and, and try to give back to them to the best of my ability. Like that has shaped who I am as a football player, and specifically with the relationships in and on our team, is because you know, I'm going to learn and grow so much by just having a conversation with a freshman, right? And that's not how a lot of people see it. So my mindset shifted Seriously. a little bit within that. Yeah.
0: Well, I, I think about like my favorite thing about Bethel football was walking in practice. This is the weirdest thing, right? Walking to practice on an October day, like knowing what you're going to get, right? And it might be a full padded day. It might be a hard practice. It might be whatever, right? But leaves are changing, temperatures dropping a little bit and just knowing who you're going to rub up against, right? Who you're going to grind with, who you're going to, that iron sharpens iron thing. And like, be, it's maybe the time in my life where I was literally the most present, right? That, And when you talk about, not taking anything for granted, not having, you know, this sense that this is I'm this is below me is really what you're saying. It's like be present, be in the moment of that thing, and like that that was a switch trigger for me. Like it was just a like walking to practice, hearing the cleats against the concrete, seeing the trees, seeing the color. That was like this this flip for me. It was like okay, be here now. Don't worry about anything else. Just be here right now. What a great perspective that that can, I mean, talk about mindfulness and, and presence and all these things that are now becoming in vogue. I think there's a real power in having something that triggers that for you and for you to have those relationships with those students be a constant reminder of let's be here now, yeah. enjoy this thing. I mean, it's only going to help you when you're walking out to practice and you know that it's, say, it's 22 periods and it's a little bit, uh, I don't know, you know, like, no, like be here now, enjoy it, right? So, no, and that's,
2: I, I echo that, that statement completely. I, when, when recruits come in, or even when I, I guess I gave my senior talk or, or chapel speech last year, I don't know if it's happening again this year. I'll probably get another one. I might have to prepare something new. <laughs> but, uh, one thing that I said was, like, I'm not going to remember the, the touchdowns or the, or the tournament runs or the plays or stats or anything. Like, I'm going to remember the bus rides. I'm going to remember the 6 a.m. lifts. I'm going to remember those practices, right? Fall camp. Like those are the things I'm going to remember. It's the exact same sentiment that, that rooted me, right? Coach Joe, he says, be where your feet are. Well, there was nothing better than one of my favorite, my, might be my favorite memory was the bus ride back from Whitewater. We just lost in the quarterfinal and missed out on a ring and a final four appearance, play on ESPN, whatever. We we're driving nine hours back in the snow and it was the most fun nine hours I've ever had, Bethel football. And it, it shouldn't have been. In, in no way should have that been my most enjoyable or favorite Bethel football memory so far. But it is. Like, that's – and it's just the weird thing because I was, I was there. I was with my guys, right? We we were riding back. Conversation was flowing. Like, we just shared great memories and, and conversation. But that, that's that, – it's weird because that shouldn't be – uh, all the success, right? The, the North Central win or the, the St. Thomas win that year. were like, how are those not your favorite memory? It's like, no, no, no. Like the bus ride from losing to Whitewater in the quarterfinals. That's my favorite memory because it's exactly what you said. It, it roots you. And I, on that bus ride was where I was at for whatever reason. And I think that that's so important because you can get so caught up and you talk about the stress and you talk about some of those things, when your mind wanders to the future or the past, like future is only going to cause anxiety, past is only going to cause depression. Like, be rooted where you're at, be in the present, because that's where the joy is. That's where the joy is. It's
1: that for me, at least. That's what it is. Jaron, we could we could go on and on. I I, I feel the. The juice, the good juice, as Coach Jay always told us, I'm sure he still says on occasion, but it just pours out of you, my man, and and we appreciate you taking the time not only to join us for this conversation, but to pour into the people around you, whether it's your teammates or the students that you're working with in BUILD or raising money for Special Olympics, all of the stuff that you do that I, you're an incredible football player, and I think anybody who knows you and has been a part of your life knows that you're an even better man. And, and uh, we can appreciate that. And what an example that is to the people that are coming behind you or even the people that got to play with you. And, you know, even though they are moved on, they still look to you as, as kind of that model and it can be a lot of pressure, you know, and when you're the guy and I think you've done an exceptional job of, of being that guy and uh, appreciate you, my man.
2: Yeah, I appreciate you guys having
1: me on. It was a blast, Jamie. As we were wrapping up the conversation with with Jaron there, I couldn't help but look at look down at my notes and see basically two perfect bookends to it. He started the conversation talking about all in or all out. Right, I'm all in or I'm all out because I don't want to be in that middle ground. And and whether you're talking about sport or life or work or parenting or relationship. Man, what a what an important question to ask yourself. And then and then he kind of ended with the be where your feet are, be present, be here right now. Oh my goodness. And there's a ton in between there, but those were kind of my two things that I had written down as my aha moments today. What do you what
0: well and I think this through line in the conversation comes from both of those places, right? Mm-hmm. Be all in or be all out. Like us talking about transfer portal and all that stuff, right? There's a lot of stuff in there that you might just gloss over, but in reality, like it's really important because so much of life is this like grass is greener, go chase it. And I'm telling you this right now, when I've seen athletes be successful and I've seen people be successful, they're chasing something. Do not get me wrong. It's really important to go and chase and to take that step and to live eyes up, right. With that in mind to, to reach upward, but it's also really important to be where you are today. And to make committed relationships where you are, to be present w- with the people that you're around. Because when you're learning and growing, like he talked about, right? From the build conversation, when you're learning and growing from the people that you're engaging with, guess what? It allows you to reach upward. And so they sound like opposites. Like all in or all out, be where your foot are. They sound like opposites to chase something, right? The the transfer conversation you know is fraught with ups and downs because being where your feet are is really hard to do while chasing something it's the paradox right i believe that life life's greatest truths are paradoxical they're both they seem false but they are deeply true when you are where you your feet are when you are grounded and rooted in something really important you then grow in a deeper way And you go higher, right? You can chase after the thing in a different, more meaningful, more impactful, better, more well-rounded way. And then you give more to the people around you. They pour it back into you and the cycle repeats. And so many of us, myself included, through much of my life, did not, do not think that that's true. When in reality, like, I, I mean, John, you know this about me. Maybe, as much as anybody in your life, exception of your wife, potentially, we are not terribly rooted. We don't want to put down deep roots in a single place that's That's a limiting factor also it doesn't have to necessarily be a place that you're rooted to, however, it can be at things and people and principles and ideas. So sorry for the rambling, but I just like I loved the conversation because it brought out some of these paradoxical truths, right.
1: Yeah, no question. It was uh, challenging growth. We've talked to Jaron a couple of times now, and I think even today there was stuff that he challenged us. You know, and which is why I think we love what we do, and we love sharing these interactions with with you as listeners, and we appreciate you joining us on the journey. And again, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it. You know, the couple of questions, right? Be all in or be all out. And then be present. What a challenge. Be present. Be where your feet are today. Live with joy like he talked about. And, and man, we're going we're gonna to all be in a much, much better place. Jamie, appreciate you. And as always, live eyes up.